Shut your pants up, you swishy ass motherfucker. Oh no. It's so loud. Uh Justice is here. Welcome to Requiem for a Tuesday. I am your boy, your man's. Ugh. What are you doing? Adam Fakora here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got a big one today. Whole lot going on. Uh Spoilers for the episode. There's going to be spoilers for movies. Spoiler alert. We're talking The Matrix. We're talking Don't Look Up. We're talking Licorice Pizza. Uh, I'm going to do a little Juice World and such. So there's going to be a whole lot going on. We're talking plots. We're talking everything. Uh, This is probably going to be a two-weeker. I think I'm taking New Year's off. Oh. Just going to chill. So, you know, next week, just listen to it then. Go see some movies. Have some fun. You've earned it. <laughs> you made it this far. Yeah. Come on. Um, Let's just dive right in. You guys know the plugs. Rate, review, subscribe. Rfat.pickcartel.com. We got music, multiplex, Wolfex, microwave minutes. Go check it all out. It's all linked in the description below. All right. Episode 86. That's right. We're That's getting insane. there. insane. We're getting to the big hundo. Yeah, what are we going to do? Are you going to do another another live one, maybe? What do you mean live one? You can do like a live one. No live stream, you know? Episode I've never 100. done. I've never done one live. We should do that. That'd I be don't, fun. I have no interest in Oh, that. come on. No. We could get a soundstage. I like it when the numbers are private. Oh. And not publicly embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I got shadow banned. That still hasn't been lifted? I don't think so. That's terrible. Yeah. I'm I feel really bad. That's well, not that's not cool. I stand by what I said. Wait, what it what happened? What started the shadow ban? The title of one of my episodes was Matt Nagy is a cuck loser. <laughs> <laughs> which I stand by. It's true. (laughs) Unless someone says directly to me, hey, unless you change this title, it's going to stay this way forever. That's the only way I would change it. Until I have any concrete proof. You're not going to do it. That's right. (laughs) Now. But you would do it if it was helping. Absolutely. I do it for the people. You know, that's why we're here. Right, fellas? So, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. You so, should do, you should think about the live thing. That might be fun. No. All right. I do not want to do that. I'll think of something though. I don't know. Then we got to make this the episode centennial? title like even worse than the cuck loser. No. I think I learned. <laughs> but I still don't want to change it. You could take it even farther and maybe that would be like I don't know. Be like re- reversing the polarity of the shadow ban. A little bit too much one way. They're like, okay, now he's just like being extreme and it's cool, you know? Yeah, like, oh, he's <laughs> he's edgy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's part of it. Uh-huh. Um, so let's get right into some tragic, tragic news. Uh, I'm not going to win the fan my fantasy league this year, and it's really devastating. I made an egregious error, and listen, everybody tries to say, oh, don't beat yourself up at hindsight 2020. No, it's bullshit, and fantasy football does this to everybody. It destroys your psyche. You have no self-confidence. You question all your decision-making. Nothing ever works out, ever, unless, you know, I won once, and it was exhilarating. Shout out to uh, LaShawn McCoy. It was his breakout, breakout year. He had like a mini breakout year, and I was like, I'm putting all my money on this guy. Got him. I didn't have the first overall pick by any means. Got a steal. See, this was like eight years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday because there's nothing like a fantasy football victory. I was favored very heavily in my semifinal matchup, okay? I was favored by like 21 points. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm watching Red Zone, and boom, the ticker goes breaking news. Travis Kelsey out with COVID, out of nowhere, and I'm fucked. 
Because my other option at tight end is fucking Jonu Smith, who had zero points in his game anyway, but that game had already started, so I had no choices there. And then I made the crucialist of crucial mistakes, and I started James Robinson and Devontae Freeman over one Damian Harris. Damian Harris scored 28 points. I got a combined 10 points for my two running backs. James Robinson tore his Achilles in the first quarter. Holy shit. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I thought, okay, the Patriots are playing the Bills. They ran it, what, 95% of all plays last time? They threw it three times. So I'm like, okay, they're going to switch it up. They're going to throw it. They're not going to run it as much. Boom, wrong. 100 yards, three touchdowns. (laughs) Fucking has an incredible game, better than his last game. He got knocked out of last game. Didn't have three touchdowns. And I'm like, oh, let me just start James Robinson. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh, they're playing the Jets, but they're still the Jags. They're still terrible. What an oversight. What an oversight. And I thought Devontae Freeman, he could have got a touchdown. They had a third-string quarterback. No, does not. Unbelievable break. And now I'm down by four. Whoa. And we have J- I have Jalen Waddell. Up against Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is going to score five touchdowns tonight. So here's the thing. I'm hoping that Alvin Kamara scores so many points that even if I had played Damian Harris, I still would have lost. That's how well I need him to play. (laughs) Because my other option is he gets completely shut down and Jalen Waddle scores like three touchdowns. But there's like no way I'm going to win this. And it's brutal because I had it. I had it right there. And I let it slip through my fingers. And fucking Travis Kelsey gets COVID. What a terrible beat. Really just heartbreaking. Really just heartbreaking. That's such a bummer. Another losing losing week gambling too. Well, I could break even tonight. What does tonight depend on? Um... I took the Dolphins to win in the under, which probably will not happen because it's a very low under. So I was just like, let's just see. But the under is like 38 or 36. So that you, probably you got to like take a vacation, man, and like get some new su- readings. No, the season's almost over. I'm riding it out. I'm pretty much even for the year, probably down maybe 80 bucks. Nothing crazy. Oh, well, that's good. The playoffs, I think, I always have a better grasp at picking playoff games. You may recall my incredible run last year, picking the Super Bowl and cashing in. I won like $600 on the Super Bowl last year. (laughs) That's amazing. It was unbelievable, all the shots I called. (laughs) It was like the greatest day of my life. And watching that game, (laughs) yeah, my heart was racing the entire time. And it was a blowout, but I just needed certain things to happen, and a lot of them happened. And the great thing about Super Bowl bets is that all of them are pretty low, like high odds, because the odds of them happening is very small. So you can put down 50 bucks on one thing, and it would pay out like 300 Oh, my God. There's a lot of stuff like that, because you're like, Okay, like I picked the correct color of the Gatorade that they would pour on the coach. <laughs> it's like a one in eight shot. And there's pretty much even odds unless for it was the one, you know, that had happened recently. Or I think they might analyze like which one's the most common and all that. But either way. Did you analyze? Did you know? Did you? No, I just took a shot. <laughs> That's so sick. I was like, okay, the colors of both teams have red so it definitely won't be red <laughs> like that was a logic that i used <laughs> and like the bucks have a little bit of orange and the chiefs other colors yellow so i was like it probably won't be orange either it was blue it was blue <laughs> and you know what's it was it broke my heart because they cut away before they poured it on him what so i had to just keep checking the sports book like did i win did i win what the fuck happened why would you cut away They always show it. They always show it. That's why it's a bet. 
I would be so upset. I bet that there would be a scoreless quarter, and there only was because uh, they either intercepted Patrick Mahomes at the goal line or there was a fourth down. They didn't convert, like, right there. But, like, right at the end of the game. Yeah. Saved me. The defense stepped up. It's <laughs> euphoric. <laughs> Nothing like hitting a score. All right. <clears throat> we got to move on. Juice World. Did you watch this? No, I no. Okay, so it's part of that music box series Bill Simmons is doing. He's what a legend. And this was the best one that I've seen. I just talked about uh the Kenny G one briefly recently. Didn't watch that either. It was good. He's nice. a he's an odd but likable man. Kenny G? Yeah. He's in the whole thing. He like was a volunteer to be a part of it. Interesting. Yeah. So you learn a lot. You learn a lot about Kenny G. Uh, Juice World. Different. Different vibe. Much, much different. He obviously wasn't in it since he's dead. Mm-hmm. So I think by default you should have known that. Was it like, that like true. Well, he is content? So yeah, that's basically the whole movie. So it starts off with like an intro. He just freestyles for like two and a half minutes and it's insane. And then interviewers come in. Or not interviewers, but like people being interviewed, you know how they just like cut to a guy in a room and he talks how that happens. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that that happens with like three or four people, and then it just kind of starts and people stop popping up like in interviewings, and there's no narrator either. So it's kind of disorienting, like, wait. I thought this was gonna be more traditional, and then it's strictly like, people were just following him around, like, documenting a tour, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much strictly just footage of that. But it's just cut so perfectly that it still has, like, the narrative going. Mm-hmm. Um, And then towards the end, it starts going to more interviews and stuff. It, like, goes back to that. So it, it kind of is balanced on, like, the front end and back end like that, which is kind of cool, too. But as you're watching it, like, the structure seems weird. Mm-hmm. At the beginning. And then you're just like, oh, okay. This is better anyway. And uh, it was just interesting because he was like, he was from Homewood, which I didn't know. I was literally there today. Illinois? Uh, yeah, Illinois. it's like a it's like a south suburb. Oh. That's interesting. It's by Tinley Park. Nice. It's a pretty close one. Um, <clears throat> but he, so he grew up there. Yeah, and then so the the story he told was that he was in law school, which obviously couldn't be true because he was 18. Yeah. So I don't know if this thing was made up or not or whatever, but that's like where he met his girl and they were like still together throughout the whole movie. And then he was like, then I smoked PCP and I dropped out of school and decided to be a rapper, <laughs> which oh. I could easily see being true. So that's why I don't really know how tongue-in-cheek him saying that was or if he's just not aware that taking law classes in college isn't law school. Oh. Possible. But either way, he seemed, like, very intelligent. Like, you could just tell he was, like, well-read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then... So most of the footage, like I said, is like taking place during like a massive tour. So he's like already super famous throughout the whole thing. And they do like a crazy job of like showing him like working on songs and stuff. And you see just how like prolific he was. Because I had heard this before from this dude. What's his name? Benny Blanco. He's like a mega producer for like Bieber and shit. Yeah. Um, And he pops up in the documentary and says like the exact same thing that I'd heard him say before which was basically that he was just like a savant and he would just go in and do an entire song like ad-libbed with no writing at all like chorus verse chorus verse yeah and then they talk about that in the thing and then they say not only would he do that he would be like run the beat back and would make up an entirely different song beginning to end then he would run it back and do it a third time (laughs) like one take each time and he'd be like, pick whichever one's the best. Whoa. <laughs> so he was like insanely talented at making these. Up. So a lot of his like biggest hits were just like off the dome. He just like started doing it, which is nuts. 
I w- I'm not a big fan personally, but you know, you gain a lot more respect for like what he was doing because it show it shows just how like insanely like on it he was. But then it also just goes into showing him just like hammering drugs the whole time. Oh. So he's like sipping a crazy amount of lean the whole time to where you're like, dude, he has a cup in his hand at every moment of this. It's like daytime, middle like nighttime, doesn't matter, morning, whatever. Yeah. He always has it. And then there's times when he just like he walks up to the camera guy, he's like, It's just me and you, check this out. And then he like lifts up his tongue or sticks it out or whatever, and there's like eight pills in his mouth. <sighs> so he was just like he was just like a straight up drug addict. And like everybody around him was like half enabling him because they kind of, you know, what are you going to do? You cut him off. He's just going to kick you out. You're off the tour. Yeah. You know. So they're like, yeah, whenever he tells you to go pour him a four, pour him like a one. And just don't tell him like he won't know anyway. Uh, it, it got really sad. And it made his girl look pretty bad. She's like doling shit out to him all the time. Whoa. But at the same time, I guess it's like, what's she going to do? Right. Well, when somebody's just like a just straight not. up drug addict, though, you know what I mean? Like, they'll lash out at you if you just start trying to tell them no. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to cut you off. They'll just go get it somewhere else or whatever, you know? Damn. So I get it. They're in like a compromising position, but it was just tragic. Very tragic. But there's also moments that are like super funny where like he's on the phone with Young Thug at one point. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm on like a dirt bike. I got a bunch of dirt bikes. I'm doing wheelies and shit. And Young Thug's like, dude, you're crazy. What are you talking about? He's like, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> and it's just like, imagine Young Thug calling you and being like, dude, you're irresponsible. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. Then uh, he was on the phone with somebody else and they were saying the same thing. I don't remember who it was, though. It was also somebody like ultra famous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you just watch and like th- basically when I say like that was the narrative, you just watched him taking like more and more and more drugs. Now it could have been convenient editing and he was going that hard the entire time. Mm. But it did a good job of making it progressive, like ramping it up. Yeah. So even if all of that th- it could have been completely like out of order. He could have been way more fucked up at the beginning, like who knows, but either way, the way it was edited made it seem like oh shit. And then that makes sense. I mean, he died in such a crazy way. So, rest his soul. For real. Very tragic. Poor guy. Poor kid. Is there going to be another from the same people, like the Kenny G and the Juice No, the, they're all out already. Okay. I think there's six. Oh. I so there's there Woodstock 99. Haven't seen it. That one was okay. It was kind of weird. I talked about it on here. They, like, forced it to be, like, way more about like white people being the problem really which was just a weird take i don't know but it was good and like some of the points were like super valid but it just tried really hard to like be something instead of being a documentary it had an opinion you know oh you know what i'm saying i understand kind of there was the it's a D- really biased documentary. Yeah, kind of. And there was the DMX one. I still didn't watch that because that's going to be sad, and I don't want to watch that. <laughs> uh, I probably will, though, at some point. Then I think there was one on Alanis Morissette. I didn't watch that either. And then Kenny G. And I think that's all of them. I don't know. But yeah, they're all on HBO. Good stuff. You know what's not good stuff that's on HBO? The fucking Matrix. <laughs> uh, yeah. To be honest, I only watched like maybe an hour. I didn't like it. It was horrific. Yeah, just like to be honest, I think Keanu Reeves is getting worse as he's getting older. <laughs> Terrible take. No. Have you seen any of the John Wicks? Okay. Well, I just didn't really. I don't. No, actually, I've never seen any of the John Wicks. Oh, they're incredible! You need to be watching John Wick. The second one is like an action masterpiece. Does it look like a video game? <laughs> yes, but in a good way. Yeah, 
it's it's very heavily stylized, but it's in like a noir neon type of way. Mm. It's sick. The first one's a lot more gritty because it was way lower budget. But the second one is like the perfect perfect amount of extra. And then the third one gets a little off the rails for me. <clears throat> but I think they're already making two more at least. Two more John Wicks? Yeah, they make a lot of money. Oh. And they're not that expensive either. I'm sure The Matrix made them a lot of money, right? Well, the franchise did. I don't know about this one. I don't think it did well at the box office because it's out on streaming. So that'll put a big dent in it anyway. But this fucking movie, what a piece of shit from the beginning. From the beginning. Now, here's the thing. I want to address this to start. I have already heard a few podcasts and read a few articles where they're like, yeah, but it's like a meta commentary on blah, blah, blah. Don't try to like outsmart this being a shitty movie. Don't like make excuses for why it sucks. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's not like, they're like, oh, well, it was intended to like do this. And it's like, well, I watched it and it was bad. I don't care what it like was supposed to mean. Because what it meant to me was this is bad. That's it. That's all I thought. So this thing fucking opens. They're just recreating the original one but with like different people. And it's very off-putting. It looks so much worse. It's very... the. the it looks like... Effects are weird for sure. It looks like a student recreation of the original opening. Yeah, all the coding just didn't really look right. That did, that looked weird, but like the chick who was supposed to be Trinity like just looked weird. The way it was sh- like you know, everything in it just looked weird and like low quality. And then they just continuously run you through the opening scene again, but worse, shot way worse. You know, the other one was shot so like dynamically and it was entertaining. And this was like if you had like a bird's eye God mode, you know what I mean? Like if you were an instant replay in a video game and you could scroll around freely and they just chose to like hover above it. It just looked so, yeah, (laughs) it looked awful. And then they just have these people commentating on it, but we don't know who they are and they're not interesting and they're not doing anything. And it's unclear what the point of this is. And the matrix isn't supposed to be this like, very straightforward thing. I get it. It's very convoluted, but this is just like unnecessary. It's just like <laughs> sloppy. It's confusing because it's poorly written, not because it's like overwritten. And then when they're done, like rehashing the opening scene in a poorer way, they just cut out and it's like, oh, they were in the Matrix. It's like, yeah, no shit. They were watching a scene from the Matrix. So it's like all of that was totally pointless. And then they're just like, yeah, we're looking for Neo. But they never mention why. Throughout the entire thing, really, it never, as far as I can recall, it never becomes clear why they needed Neo. Because then once they get Neo, it just becomes about Neo getting Trinity. I think the point is they just want Neo so they can like defeat the next boss, basically. You know what I mean? Like the new villain. Yeah. Who's just Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> it's just like, fuck you. This is horseshit. He is so bad. The whole time in this entire movie, the second he shows up, he's hacky. <laughs> he's not good. He's not good in this. He's not good in Gone Girl. It's the only two dramatic things I've ever seen him in, and he's the worst actor in both movies by a mile. <laughs> I don't know how Fincher went through with it. I feel like Fincher should have fired him. He also had a whole TV show. But here's the thing. He's a good comedic actor. He was great. He's great in Ever Herald and Kumar. I watched that shitty 8-bit Christmas movie. He's fine. <laughs> you know, he can do that. He's a charming guy who should be funny yeah (laughs) laying off one-liners or whatever he should not be the villain in the matrix (laughs) you could pick him up like bane and break his back are you fucking kidding me and the thing was he could just pause it whenever he wants it's like this is just so fucking stupid (laughs) 
They have like a giant exposition thing where they explain, oh, it, it's 60 years later, but you're still this age because of all these things. And they talk for like three, four straight minutes, and I just toned out. I was blasted. I was like, I'm going to get high and watch the Matrix sequel. This should be sick. And then they're just like, well, here's all the reasons why we're doing it like this. And it's like, fuck you. Don't insult my intelligence. Well, everything's different because we said so. Like, you know, yeah, I get it. So, like, don't waste my time. What the fuck? It's terrible. And then the resolution is just nothing. Like, just nothing. It's dumb. Asian Smith is just some, like, hot young guy. (laughs) It's like, what is this? And then they replace Morpheus with just some other guy who just, like, does a parody of Morpheus the whole time. It's like he's doing... A bit. Like a sketch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like SNL Morpheus. That's who's in this movie. It's (laughs) insane. And I heard that Lawrence Fishburne just straight up wasn't asked to be in it. Not that he turned it down. I heard that he was not asked. That's bullshit. Lawrence Fishburne is an incredible actor. He's so talented. Like, why would you not want him in any movie? It also just like... Let alone a part that's literally his part. Like, what are we talking about? It's nothing like any of the other movies at all. Like, here's the thing. The whole twist thing where it's like, oh, he's a video game designer in this new reality and he's actually back in the Matrix and doesn't realize it. That's all a good concept. It's just the execution of everything was awful. Yeah. That's what it was. Like, that base concept, you're like, oh, this is how we're going to redo the Matrix? That's sick? I'm, I'm so on board. That sounds great. But then the way they did it, it's just when you actually watch it unfold, it's awful. Because they, instead of just doing a sequel to The Matrix, like, The Matrix didn't come out that long ago. They're acting like, you know, it's been 35 years. Like, they're trying to do another Terminator, and they have to find a way to phase Arnold out. It's like, Keanu Reeves is in his prime still. Everybody knows what The Matrix is, you know? You don't have to, like, refresh people. Especially when you're dropping it on a streaming service that has the other three movies on it. Like, what? Why is most of this movie just the first movie again? Like, why is this Creed? Are they planning on doing another, like, two? Is that, like, the thing? I don't think so. They didn't want to do this to begin with. So, a lot of the... um, What's it called? A lot of the things in the plot, like, mirror reality with, like, the video game thing, where basically they were, like you're going to make us a fourth one or we're going to do it without you. A lot of people are assuming that that's how Warner Brothers approached the Wachowskis. Like, you guys want to do a fourth one? And they're probably like, no. And they're like, all right, well, we'll make one. So you can either do it or somebody else will. Oh. So a lot of people think that's why that was a part of the plot. But still, like, that's interesting, I guess. But either way, it's just, like, why is it Creed? That's the only, that's the first movie I give I give credit to for having that formula where it's like oh it's a sequel and a reboot and let's transition which is a good idea but now so many things have done it that it's watered down and formulaic that it's almost like an MCU thing it's like oh any movie that's a sequel and a reboot I know exactly what's going to happen you know they're all 100% the same and I don't understand why they needed to treat this like this like, because oh, it didn't look, come out that long ago, and because everybody knows what it is. Yeah, apparently. and it's like, oh, we're going to reset it, and all of these new characters are not interesting. I don't remember any of them. Like, I remember the Asian girl because she had blue hair. For a couple scenes, and then she also had dark hair for the other scenes. Yeah, it was when she was in the Matrix versus yeah. the real world, but yeah. It went back and forth, so it was more noticeable. But I don't remember any of the other people. There's another pipsqueak guy. I remember him. But it was just weird because there was no actual goal. They're like, yeah, everything's fine in reality now. You know, we're not like afraid of machines at all times. So it's like, but we're going to keep fighting the guy in the Matrix. And it's just like, I I just didn't get it. 
There was just no point to anything anyone was doing. He's like, we got a free Trinity. And it's like, why? (laughs) She's fine. She's married in the Matrix, bro. Let her live her life. You know what I mean? Who are you to just rip someone's marriage apart? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just dumb. It was just dumb. I hated it. Uh, I would rather watch the third one three times in a row than watch, no, two times in a row than watch this one once. More. Yeah. <laughs> I will never watch it again. I'll probably never watch the third one again. I need to re- rewatch Reloaded. I've only seen that like two or three times. It's fun. It's very fun. I've seen the first one probably a hundred times. I used to watch it a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> It's like, I think I get it. <laughs> I think I get it this time. <laughs> You're like, let's watch it again. I don't get it. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on from that shit show onto a movie that I was pleasantly surprised by. And also, I, well, I will just add, I didn't really have any expectations for the new Matrix. I was just like, oh, shit, that's coming out already? All right. It's coming out on HBO? All right. Sick. I was like, Nice. Don't even have to go anywhere. Yeah, I definitely wasn't going to see it in theaters. I was like, there's no... I knew that there was no way it was going to be near the original, seeing as how the other two just got progressively worse. But this just continued to get progressively worse. Okay. When Next did you up. see that? Did you see that on Christmas? Uh, I either watched it on Christmas Eve. No, I watched that one on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. I watched Don't Look Up on Christmas Day, which is our next movie. We're going to discuss here. Nice. I watched it the day after Christmas. That's fine. Doesn't matter what day you watched it. Oh, it was a good time. <laughs> We've seen it now. Um, So I actually had pretty low expectations for this movie. A lot of early reviews were saying that it was not funny. Too on the nose. Too long, which I it was kind of too long. It was too long. Kind of. Kind of. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, and... But like the cast was knockout and it's Adam McKay. So I was like, okay, this this should be at least something. Now, my fear started to become that he just was like, I'm going to get as many stars as I can. And then like the movie would like lack and there would just be a bunch of famous people in it. I don't think that that was the case. Now, was it funny at times? I would say it was thoroughly entertaining. It wasn't like fucking anchorman adam mckay this wasn't i I didn't expect it to be one of those uh but i would say throughout it it was funny like it's a satire throughout the entire thing it's very consistently satirical does that always make you laugh out loud like no but there's a lot of parts of it that are very clever i would say you know what's his name ron perlman yeah, that was good. He that was, was good. That was great. That was a great little cameo in there. Jonah Hill was off the charts. My, I think one of my favorites is at the very end. He's like outside. He's like, we're out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I accidentally watched through the credits and I saw that. Yeah. Uh, he had some great lines. There was that one where they cut to him for half a second and he's like, Molly's kicking in sick. <laughs> that was the hardest I laughed through the whole movie. That was fucking incredible. He got like most of the laughs, to be honest. And I think most of those were improv. He's a, he's hilarious. He is hilarious. That's why I'm glad he's off his pretentious, check it how deep my shitty skateboarding movie is. Yeah, phase. that was quick. That was a quick phase. Well, I, I was worried it was going to stay. Um, he needs to do comedies. Did you hear that he he was bringing a fart machine to the interviews for the movie? No, that's hilarious. For the press? See, that's the real Jonah. <laughs> that's what I want. I don't want this and guy in black Leo totally outed him. He's like, all right, I've heard about this. <laughs> Jonah's got a fart machine. <laughs> and Leo was great. I knew Leo. Leo can do comedy because he's incredibly talented at acting. Yeah. It so was... I had no doubt. Same thing with Jennifer Lawrence. Like They're both top tier actors, period. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, when you're that good, you can do comedy. Like, I think Denzel could do a comedy, no problem. Obviously, Clooney. All those guys. In o- every guy in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can all do it. They proved it. Yeah. So, I think if you're good enough, you can. And they were good. And I loved... 
a great thing that I loved was that they immediately, as soon as they possibly could, pointed out that Leo was a hot scientist. And that became a joke throughout the whole movie. Because that is the most absurd thing, that that man would be a scientist. <laughs> Nobody would allow it. You know what I mean? You know how many people would have pulled that guy aside as a teen? The ones that already did. That's why he's been famous since he was nine. He was a beautiful boy. It never stopped. So I'm very glad that that became a thing. And then I was under the assumption that it was like, oh, time had passed. So him and his wife got divorced. And then his wife just showed up. And I was like, oh, this is okay, good. Like things kept getting interesting, you know. Then Chalamet showed up. I was like, oh, fuck. I love this kid. He shows up. I'm just like sick. This is going to be that awesome. That was amazing. What a guy. <laughs> you know? He had a lot of lines. We'd be, a lot of great ones. We'd be best friends, me and Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> I can just tell. Hit me up, Timmy. I think he'd be a great great interview for sure. Oh. It, it would go really well. He, we can talk since, about the Chevron sheets. <laughs> <laughs> ever since I saw Ladybird. I was like, okay, I get it. I get the hype. I didn't see none of that call me by your name shit. I'm not interested in that. That's Sufjan's song. Songs. Yeah, that's a good song. <laughs> um, I still haven't watched Dune. I fell asleep both times I tried to watch it, but I'll, I'll get there. I I got the hype from that movie for sure. I just think that I'm not. It was good. Into Dune. I've watched it twice so far, actually. It's good. I I. I liked rewatching. I mean, sure. Denis is the man, the director. How do you say? Denis. Denis. Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> He's French Canadian. Yeah, it was spectacular. I mean, they picked the right guy. Like, talk about the perfect guy to get to adapt Dune. It's him. After Blade Runner 2049, like, it's perfect. I also rewatched 2049 probably three times now three or four times i've seen it two or three extra times it's incredible it needs it needs a rewatch for sure it's so good i wish there was like a an extended like director's i think there cut. might be i don't think that there is last time i checked but oh okay i would love that an extra hour of that would be fucking spectacular uh, yeah, that movie's so fucking good i like it way better than the original oh absolutely that i tried to watch the original and then go into 2049, but I could. I only got through like 45 minutes. I was like, yeah, I, you should watch the other one. I <laughs> don't like it. Yeah, even the, the director's cut, the final cut, you name the cut. I, 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 I was don't saying, think it's I better. I was saying I could do like 45 more minutes at least of just Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford in that house. Yeah, <laughs> just bickering. Just like drinking and fighting. It'd be sick. Yeah, that movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, Back to Don't Look Up. Jonah Hill in a Blade Runner 2049 outfit would be hilarious. Well, they were going to do Men in Black 21 Jump Street crossover, and it got scrapped. Would have been the coolest fucking thing ever. So it would have been Jonah Hill doing sci-fi shit. <laughs> it's a shame that they didn't at least make a third one in general. They're not going to now? It's been a very long time. I don't see why they would at this point. It would be hilarious because Jonah would be a hot guy again. And they would just be two studs. <laughs> Jonah was in good shape for both of the other ones. Yeah, but they could just flex on it more. Yeah, <laughs> but at this point, they're getting older, you know. Who? Both of them? Yeah, obviously. They've both gotten older. They're in the best shape of their life. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> right now, definitely. And I didn't think that Don't Look Up was too on the nose. I thought it was, that's the whole point. It was a satire. It was very appropriately on the nose. I feel like it was a spiritual successor to idiocracy. You know, just less slapsticky. You know, and it was just played way more serious and straight. Um... Because idiocracy is like a broad comedy, you know what I mean? Like Adam Sandler could have been an idiocracy. Adam Sandler could have also been in Don't Look Up. Yeah, that's true. Good. He's a very good actor. I'm just saying, like, it's the type of script. Yeah, that's like in his w more common wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the message in both is exactly the same. You know. What do you think the message is? What do you mean about how like yeah, with the global leadership is failing us and oh, everyone's okay. stupid? 
and we're all going to die because no one's doing anything about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, very similar. At least that's where idiocracy gets to once they have no plants. You know. <laughs> that Peter dude, I think that was his name. The like multi-billion dollar dude from Bash Cellular. Oh, yeah. He the, he was doing too much. You think that so? Guy was, that guy was, his character was too cartoonish. It didn't fit anything else in the movie. You know, the voice he was doing. He was like, he was in a, a sketch as well. Kind of like Morpheus. Oh, yeah. That's you know a what I mean? I don't, sure. I feel like he wasn't, he just wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. He was just like, I'm super a parody of like Tim Cook or whoever. Like he was doing Tim Cook's look. I don't know who, who he and was like acting like. Carl Sagan or something. I don't even know who that is. It's, it just was weird. It looked like weird and culty. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like he wasn't like, he wasn't like dropping hot lines so it's like can you just speed up this delivery buddy and we can cut away from you couldn't stop staring at his teeth yeah it was just all too much that that was uh that was probably he was the weakest part of the movie i would say but yeah i here's the thing i would say if it was 20 minutes shorter that would be super ideal but at the same time i don't know what i would cut because i found the whole thing pretty entertaining I guess somewhere in the middle, it did kind of seem like it was lingering. I just can't pinpoint exactly what part. Getting to the first launch where the rockets look like they're turning back around, closing that gap a that little bit. That took a long time. You're that right. should have been cut back for sure. Yeah, that's where the fat because was. Because I remember thinking after that happened that because they were trying to get another one to happen where they were going right. to blow it up. Right. And that... Like, doing that twice over was just, like, not worth the time. It did take a very long time. And, like, the whole scene where they're, like, <clears throat> they're in the, like, the protest, like, lobby where it's, like, they're doing all their paperwork for, like, protesting against the Don't Look Up or the whatever the other campaign Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. That took so long every time that they were in something related to that that I just, like, didn't really. I can see that. Yeah. But nothing else, really. Yeah. The media appearances maybe could have been cut down, too. I feel like there was maybe two or three too many. Him on that show. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I I got the point. You know, it just kind of got hammered. I guess, yeah. But if they wanted to make it longer, we could see a little bit more of Kate Blanchett's and Leo's, you know, dinners out. A little more Chalamet? Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit more of the rooftop stuff would have yeah. been sick. Could have used a little more Chalamet for sure. Yeah. What couldn't? You know, it's like salt on your eggs. Like how long was she working at the liquor store before she was just like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to hang out with this dude. Because there was a period where I know she wasn't working anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not very long. I don't think. Two scenes went by maybe. <laughs> they hung out twice, I think, and then that was it. Yeah, they we never saw her there again. Right. I also I did love the uh the running gag where they would cut to people in the back of a cop car with a hood over their head. <laughs> yeah. That started to get really funny. It was funny the first time and then this, it just got funnier as it kept happening. I like that. There was some good stuff in there. I I also am not a big detractor of Vice. I thought Vice was good. As good as a movie about Dick Cheney could be. I don't know what you mean. The movie Vice? Yeah, what about it? Oh, well, it wasn't very well received. Because after the big short, he had a lot of high expectations on Vice, and it wasn't didn't do very well, critically. Talk about the person that made this a- movie? Yeah, Adam McKay. Yeah. His last movie was Vice? Yeah, before this, I believe. Mm. And so I, I thought that was pretty good, too. I like his style. I like his quick, snappy editing. I like when he'll do, like, break, break the fourth wall and, like, talk to the audience. Like, when uh, Jennifer Lawrence was like, oh, that's a real thing, like, the planetary defense system. And the movie, like, stops. And it's like, that's a real thing. I like stuff like that. That's funny. Yeah. I think it, it's it's weird to not do it consistently. Like, the big short had that throughout the whole movie. Vice had that throughout the whole movie. Uh, it was weird that they just did it once. Because that also could have been like another running gag where it's like, that's a real thing. 
or something related to that. Yeah, right. It does, right, exactly. But I, yeah, that's what I mean. It yeah. would have been good if I I know what you what you're talking about in those movies. So I feel like that would have been funny in this too. Right, exactly. Like it could have used a little something to break it up at least. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like that. I don't know. I, but overall, I, I really liked it. In comparison to The Matrix, Don't Look Up was way oh, better. I would watch Don't Look Up 200 more times before I watched <laughs> The Matrix once again. You know, even over the course of my life, uh, you know, it's a short period of time. I guess I'd rather do the other. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I liked it. I would watch it again, period. Like, if somebody who hadn't seen it was like, oh, can we throw it on? I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if somebody said that about The Matrix, I'd be like, no, you watch that privately. I'm not doing that. Because, <laughs> or either way, I'm going to be complaining and talking shit the entire movie because there's <laughs> no way I could sit there it silently. I, I was audible as I was watching it privately here in my room. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is this? I hated that. Uh, but let's pivot to. Uh, pivot hard. We're, we're upgrading each movie, we're going on a rapid scale of shit to great i was gonna try to do like an s alliteration but i couldn't think of like a positive word that starts with s shit to success but that's not enough you know i need more praise anyway (laughs) paul thomas anderson shit to secession the greatest (laughs) filmmaker possibly of all time is back with another instant classic. Just what an icon. Last three movies, instant classics. Yeah, what's going on? How does he do it? How does he do it? When I mean, will the streak end? Well, to be honest, what? Five of his movies are classics mm-hmm. already? It's an instant classic. It's got to be. This is number six. Yeah, something like that. I mean, hold on. Let's Let's do this. Boogie Nights, classic. I guess some would argue Punch Drunk Love, but I wouldn't say so. I think that's a classic. <clears throat> I guess really only that and the mat and uh, there will be blood are classics. But I think Phantom Thread all time. You know the master all time. Five. Yeah, with the, with licorice pizza, that's five. I think whatever doesn't matter. It's six with licorice pizza. The man can do it better than anybody. As far as writer-director combos, I th- I think that I think David Fincher is probably the best straight-up director there is. PTA is probably the best writer-director, him and Quentin. But I think PTA is a better director than Quentin. Like, I would go Fincher 1, PTA 2, just as a director. And then, you know, Tarantino's pretty, you know, he's probably like sixth or something. When you combine them, you know, then there's only those two. Anyway, (laughs) this movie. So I tried to avoid as much as possible. I watched the trailer. That was it. Tried not to read into anything in it at all, which was great. Got to see it in 70 millimeter at the wonderful Music Box Theater. The best place to watch a movie in the city, possibly on Earth. And what a magical experience from start to finish. He just knocked it out of the park. My biggest initial question was, how is Alana Haim playing a high school girl? Because Cooper Hoffman is 17, and uh, they had said that he's playing 15. They answered that very quickly. She plays a 25-year-old, possibly 28. They leave that open because PTA. You know what this movie doesn't have? Not for one goddamn second. No scene where somebody's explaining the plot of the movie to you, like in the fucking shitty Matrix movie. The movie just happens. And this movie is a warm summer memory for two hours. It's unbelievable. It's filmed on straight up old school 35 millimeter. This movie looks and even the way the whole movie is easily could have come out in the 70s. That's so sick. Like, there's definitely movies that look like that and have the style of that, or even ones that are just set in the past but are clearly from the time they're from, you know? Like, Dazed and Confused couldn't have come out in the 70s because 
nobody would want to see that. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah. like, oh, this, yeah, this is just a movie about life right now. It, there's nothing entertaining about it at the time. Mm-hmm. But Licorice Pizza is truly timeless. There's not really one thing about it that, like, has any inkling of, like, this is a modern film in a good, in a great way. Damn, son. And this guy, Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour, rest in peace to a legend, his son is magnetic. The kid's dynamic. Now, the character is like a super um, like charismatic child actor. Mm-hmm. So, like, he needs to be that, but the performance is there 100%. Not that PTA would allow a shitty performance in one of his movies either. Unlike, fuck it. There's no Neil Patrick Harris in this movie. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, And it's just a ride the whole time. Basically, the plot is Cooper Hoffman is like in line for picture day at high school. Haim is like a photographer's assistant. He just starts chatting her up and he's a smooth cat, takes her out. And it's like, this is weird that she would do this. Uh, but she points out that it's weird the whole time and, like, is constantly referencing how he's very young and should stop and whatever. And then it's just about their relationship, like, throughout X amount of time. Doesn't really specify. It just kind of goes along. And just a bunch of shit happens. It's just awesome. They, like, date other people. They get jealous at each other. They... Uh, well, he is like, since he's a child actor, he's also like smart with his money and he like runs businesses and shit. So he like, uh, he like starts a waterbed company and then, so they're like doing that for a bunch. There's an incredible scene where they're, they're in a moving truck. Okay. Well, hold on. So the, while he's running the waterbed business, the gas crisis that actually happened in the seventies takes place Mm -hmm. and so the waterbed company goes out of business because you need gas to make them because it's rubber or whatever. And then I think it's like right after, maybe right before, whatever. They're delivering a waterbed to a character played by Bradley Cooper, who was based on a, a real guy, but I don't know how accurate it is. But he's just like a total nutcase, and he's, he's really funny in it, and he's not in it for long, but very dynamic. And... There's an incredible scene where they're like in the moving truck, but it's out of gas. So they have to like ride it down the Hollywood Hills, like with no gas in neutral. And it's just like, it's awesome. It's incredibly executed. Every shot in this movie, you know, is absolutely perfect as it always is. You just nailed it 100%. And fucking Alana Haim is electric. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter who else is in the shot with her. You know, my eyes would just gravitate towards her the whole time couldn't help it she was just perfect she was a great actress she absolutely nailed it oscar potential absolutely wow a hundred percent first movie she could win one and i could see hoffman at least getting a nod but maybe not but i don't see i couldn't see him winning but he was very good especially he's 16 in real life 17 something like that yeah, that's pretty sick. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll just waltz into a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He's not even an actor, I don't believe. Like, it's 100% his first credit, period. But I don't even know if, like, his plans were to be an actor or not. How did he get him for the role? How did they... Well, him and Philip Seymour Hoffman were very close. He was in, like, every movie he made. Got it. So... That's also why Haim's in the movie, because he started working with them. He did a bunch of their music videos. Oh. So he, like, knew that, that, she is could, really he, cool. that she could do it. He's like, I had an eye for it, you know. And uh, her whole family's in it. The two other sisters in the band play her sisters in the movie, and her parents play her parents. Really? Yeah. Uh, Maya Rudolph's in it, Paul Thomas Anderson's wife. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, like, he made it, like, a whole family thing. Because he's from there. And, like, that's why Boogie Nights is set there and all that. It's, like, it's weird. This movie is, like, 
it's like his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it's the same exact thing. And I talk about parallels with him and Tarantino all the time. Their careers are very similar. And it's the same type of thing. It's set in the 70s. It's kind of set in showbiz, but it's just like a way more low-key version. Mm-hmm. But it's perfect. It's like... <laughs> It's like it's if, its own little picture. It's in time. like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meets Punch Drunk Love, meets Dazed and Confused, <laughs> because it's very much about like kids being young in the summertime and all that. Or it's really just California, so it's always the summertime. But then it's also about those two like falling for each other. So like, there's the relationship element, but then it also has like the old timey showbiz element and references to like real people and all that Mm -hmm. so it fuses all those together but it's not overloaded at all it all happens very organically and spaced out and same thing with incredible cameos yeah they're talking about don't look up getting oscar stuff just because like adam mckay does that now ever since big short vice got a bunch of nominations I could see why. (laughs) Basically, I mean, the people in it, yeah, you just can't deny it. And I mean, Leo was great in the movie. He had to do a lot. You know, it's not like it was a super easy role. I mean, for him, you know, it was a cakewalk, I'm sure. But there were some spots where his freakouts just got so good that you're like, oh, so he did like this is like really well executed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But But, uh, like. It might have been easy for him. PTA should blow all that out of the water. Mm. You know, there's no way that, like, Adam McKay would win over Paul Thomas Anderson for anything this year. And they're saying this might be the time he finally gets one. At least screenplay. He hasn't won any, anythings at the Oscars. Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because they're horrible. Historically, they make a ton of mistakes all the time. Goodfellas didn't win. Goodfellas. One of the best movies ever made by anybody ever. Didn't win. Unbelievable. So I hope this is it. I don't know. But it should. It should be nominated for cinematography, editing. Johnny Greenwood did the score, but it was kind of light on score. It was mostly soundtrack. Just a bunch of like vintage 70s songs, you know? And... Well, I also like seeing it in seventy millimeter was like perfect. It looked unbelievable. That's that's really cool. And uh, you know, with theater sound and everything, the songs have a lot more impact. They sound so much better, you know. Uh, Not unless you got that sound bar, man. I do. Yeah, the sound bar's great, but still, nothing compares to true theater surround sound. You had to get a couple in the back, man. Oh no, <laughs> wiring that just. The thought of wiring that makes me want to jump off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I loved it. It was great. Like an instant top. Eh. It's it's instantly better than both Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love and Inherent Vice and Heart Eight. So it's already like a middle of the road PTA movie on one watch. I'll 100% watch it again. Nice. Like that, it was just so much fun. It was sweet. It was warm. It was just a beautiful memory. We should see it at a drive-in, dude. That'd be lit. I don't want to go to a drive-in. I don't have a car anymore. I sold it. Oh. You sold it? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. What did you do the money? Nothing. (laughs) Don't worry about it. But you should go see it ASAP. Justice didn't see it. Should get. We just got to get a car. We just got to go get a car, and then we'll go to the drive-in. <laughs> when we go down to Hertz, rent a car, we'll go to the <laughs> drive-in. It'll only cost us $80. It's worth it. But go see the movie. It's fucking unbelievable to justice to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am definitely Fuck going to Fuck Spider-Man. Go Don't go see Spider-Man. Long way home? Dark, no way home. No way home. It already made $900 million. It doesn't need any more money. Wait till it comes out on Disney. Go give your money to a real movie so PTA can keep getting real big budgets hmm. like this so he can keep doing whatever he wants. Okay? Support true talented artists, goddammit. Appreciate him while he's here. Yeah. 
How old is the man? He's not that old. <laughs> He's like 45 or something. Okay. Maybe 50. We're good for now, but there will be a time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, either way, you know, Tarantino's talking about retiring. You never know. PTA might be like, all right, that, I'm done. I just decided. <laughs> you never know. Go see the goddamn movie. I love you, Paul Thomas Anderson. And uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Justice, thanks for coming. Whoop, whoop. He's a juggalo. And remember, I are fat, you are fat, we are fat. Calculator. <laughs>